eyes get real big and you go like this. And it is one of the most adorable things I've ever seen in another human being. You are so polite in trying to not cut people off. It's delightful. John, before I begin, I want to make sure that you are complete in your kind statement about me. Is this true? Absolutely 100% accurate. So... I Welcome really... to Super Duper Stitches, the, the paranormal, paranormal podcast, podcast about the science behind the spooky and the strange. My name is Wyatt. My name is Jake. And we have with us a very special guest for our very special episode. What's the episode, Wyatt? This is none other than the fourth annual Super Duper Stitches Halloween Spook Stravaganza. Oh, yeah. That's right. The pumpkins are out. The ghosts are in. The moon is up and the candy is down because we cannot hand it out this year. That's right. We're all stuck inside, I guess. But it is Halloween. This episode is ostensibly out. And we are having our first ever repeat guest. Please welcome back to the show, Jonathan Notek. Hey, boys. How are we doing? Am I really the first repeat guest ever? Uh, first are. repeat guest to return as yourself. Yes. That's a, that's a lot of goddamn pressure. <laughs> Yeah, folks. If you if you have uh, if you're joining us for the first time, which I have to keep reminding myself is a possibility uh, this year, audience growth a totally alien concept to us, but it is happening. So uh, we <laughs> usually alive. do spooky stories and talk about the science behind those possible spooky tales. Maybe explanations, maybe just ways to understand them better. Um, for the month of October, we like to just go straight into the spooky stuff. We talked to fun people. Last year, we had our very first October guest was Jonathan Notak to talk about cool. Scary stories in the Chicagolands area, and uh, now we get him back again because he kindly invited us to be on a special show that'll be coming out this week. We'll talk about that more later, and we thought, hey, let's just do the same thing here too. We'll all just hang out this week. And, and John's just a sweetie, that too, and a dick. No, he, you're too nice, as he's described himself. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is true. Um, I'm like the Sour Patch commercials, I'm sour and sweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's a sour and a dick, just like the commercials. exactly those are the uh, sour patch kids after dark i think Um, there you go has it really only been a year or has it really only been a year (laughs) it's on the calendar it's been one year um i know there were a couple months in the past few months that were several years in length themselves i'm trying to think myself if there's been any sort of huge change since I talked to you guys, at least on the podcast, I've talked to you guys several times personally since then, but on the podcast, if anything has changed for any of our lives Mm. or everything, oh no, we're all living in this one goddamn prolonged nightmare, which is the (laughs) existential hell of 2020 that we're living in. Yeah, we are. And uh, nearing the end of it in theory, but it has two whole months to go on for two whole decades if it wants to. I can't do it. You're going to have to, what? <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, the other uh, choice is not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake. Tell us something that okay. is the show. <laughs> All righty. So to kick things off, uh, I have a segment that I would normally save for a non-Halloween episode, but since we got ourselves a bona fide Chicago native on the show today, I figure it's long past time we checked in on the Phantom <laughs> Of the Chicago. Yes. Yes. So the Phantom of the Chicago is the official and only name for the giant humanoid bat creatures with glowing red eyes that have been seen in the Chicagolands area in a big way ever since the summer of 2017. 
Uh, these settings and encounters have been almost exclusively covered by Lon Strickler of PhantomToMonsters.com, Manuel Navarrete of UFO Clearinghouse, and uh, whatever that couple's name is uh, who do the Singular Fortean Society. We've covered this on the show since way back when we first started, uh, and uh, I'll try to keep it quick today, but I do have a couple of new sightings to report all the way, uh, all from this very month. Ooh, bring them on. So first up, from the aforementioned UFO Clearinghouse, here's uh, some more stuff happening at O'Hare that we've had some reports in the past that were stuff happening at the airport, so here's some more. The witness says, quote, I had just left work at the USPS sorting facility at O'Hare Airport at about 11 p.m. on Thursday, the 24th of September, and was walking out to my car when I saw something standing at the far end of the parking lot where I usually park. At first, I thought mm. it was a very tall person with a long coat. As I got closer to my car, I unlocked my car, which caused the headlights of my car to come on on my car. <laughs> my headlights lit up the figure standing about 20 to 25 feet from my car, causing it to turn and look right at me. I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed thing, and what appeared to be a coat were actually wings, which it spread out as it turned to look at me. At first, I thought it was some kind of very, very large bird, but I'd never seen any bird that stood almost seven feet tall. I'm 5'4", and this thing looked taller than me by at least two feet. This thing then started making some type of chirping noise, almost a half chirp and a half click, like someone was clicking their tongue, but much, much faster. It then made some kind of screeching sound and took off running toward me. It got to within 10 feet of me and took off into the air and flew above me. I was screaming hysterically as I crouched down behind my car's open door and dived into the car head first. I was in a near panic as I tried to start the car, close and lock the doors, and turn on my interior lights. I started my car and took off out of the parking lot and flew down the road till the main uh, till I hit the main road. I got home and told my husband, who also worked at the same facility, and he was the one who told me about the previous settings of this thing. I was scared shitless, and I hope I never see this thing again. The thing is roaming around the area, scaring people half to death. I hope the airport people decide to do something about this thing someday. Wow. Is the first encounter. If I can add a little bit of insight, being the only one who actually resides in the city of Chicago, I feel after all this time that I can finally reveal. It was you, wasn't it? I am the phantom of the Chicago, (laughs) gentlemen. I have been the entire time. I've been going to random places, specifically O'Hare Airport. There's no security anymore because of the pandemic. I've been dressing up in black. I've been putting on red contacts. I am the phantom of the Chicago. This is a huge get. Folks, we told you we're going to have a special guest. You didn't know just how special that guest was going to be today. This is truly nuts. I mean, I know, John, as well... And I'm sure you would uh, be willing to do it for us live, if you'd like. The high-pitched clicking scream that is so frequently reported, I don't know how you pull it off. The high-pitched part, that's easy. Um, As a trained um, thespian, and also with a lot of voice training, going into your falsetto, your upper ranges, is really not that hard. You just let yourself just a you just let yourself get up there you can see how people would uh would right. react to that how that would right. be kind of terrifying now here's what i'm gonna tell you it's a trade secret so i'm not going to go into it as far as the flying away and over people's heads this is the most i will not tell question. you how i do that i won't tell you how i do it but um i do it huge part um that's fascinating yes i do have one more update this was i think probably an impersonator um someone trying to steal your thunder jonathan but uh oh no uh someone else from the same website um ufo clearinghouse i think all three of us will agree that this one is very informative and compelling 
Something occurred Yikes. on oh, it was on my birthday. So that was uh, a yeah. few weeks ago. For all we wow. know, the sighting was actively occurring while Wyatt and I were obliviously recording with Chris Hastings. Who knows? But um, what up, Chris? Hope you're still listening to the show. I strongly doubt it. I was out <laughs> bass fishing with my buddy and his son and another friend over <laughs> at the cooling pond near the power plant south of Seneca. It was very oh, warm. I, I I legitimately fish there all the time. So already you probably were there doing this that day. Okay. Uh, See, this is how you know. <laughs> Did you submit this story? Is this your own ploy to boost your own popularity? You vain man. Basically, you have a, a larger following than I do right now. So as far as Ooh. keeping my business going, yeah. I'm going to use you as best I possibly can. Keep going, Jake, please. Okay. Uh, it was very warm that day. and We decided to take the chance to get some late season fishing done before it got too cold to be out on the water. We were at our usual spot over by one of the barriers, about a mile and a half from the boat launch, where the water is about 15 feet deep. We were sitting around, talking and casting our lines. It was about 6 p.m. We were just about to wrap it up for the day and head on back to the house. My buddy's son saw it first and said, look at that big bird over there. We all looked to see this thing fly over the top of us. It must have been 20 to 30 feet up in the air and was moving silently. It wasn't squawking and making noise like a flock of geese would, and it was barely moving its wings. <laughs> We watched as it flew over us and in the direction of the power plant, and we seen that it looked like a, a, like a tall man with really big wings. It flew off toward the plant <laughs> without making any changes in its path until it was out of sight. We saw nothing else after that, and we decided that it was enough for us to call it a day and head back to the launch before the sun went down. What a casual report. <laughs> uh, like I said, that flying part, that's the bitch of it. That's the bitch of it. You're claiming you're claiming this one is your own. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. Uh, um, I, yeah, I don't know what the hell that is. It's a bird. It's, it's a bird. It's a bird. <laughs> yeah. It, it, listen, w uh, a year ago when you guys had me on and I told you that for various reasons that the, the, the birds of prey population were starting to, to return back to Chicago, hawks, mm. eagles, the whole nine yards. This is what people are seeing. You know, I mean, I, I think the three of us come from, you know, to some extent, fairly privileged backgrounds where we've kind of been able to explore and see the things that we want to see and go to the places that we want to go. But, mm -hmm. you know, in some of the more disenfranchised neighborhoods in Chicago, I mean, it's crazy to think about it, but th there's kids that are 10, 11, 12 years old who have never seen like Michigan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hmm. you know, so now you're telling me that, that people that aren't used to getting outside of the city or even their own neighborhoods are seeing these quite frankly, massive birds of prey for the first mm. time. Well, yeah, no shit. It looks crazy to them. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I went for a hike the other day and a hawk flew right in front of me. No big deal to me. I mean, I spent my summers in Northern Wisconsin, not far from where Jake lives now, you know, so I've seen these, these animals and, and so it's not strange to me, but for someone that's never seen them, it's hard for us to imagine, but it's gotta be almost mind blowing. Totally. I mean, these, any kind of large bird is going to look real weird if you're only used to seeing small songbirds around and stuff, and it's, it's very surprising. To that end, exactly there was a report right. from late September. I think it was from, this one is uh, from the Singular Fortean Society. It took place at like around 63rd Street and South Pulaski Road, if that means anything to you, Jonathan. I don't know at all where that is. That is actually not at all far. I live at 52nd and Drexel, so Pulaski is, that's around the Midway area, um, so that's about straight a little bit further south, but almost straight west of where, where I live. Okay. Mm. So people were having uh, sightings there, but they thought was the phantom flying around. And then they reported what they called, quote, big chicken-like footprints in their backyards. 
So Whoa. imagine a heron walking around, just kind of being because mm-hmm. you're near a huge lake. Like there's no reason why it couldn't be there. Herons are big, and or sandhill cranes live in the area too. They're super tall, and they when they fly, they look very strange because they tuck their neck in, so it looks like they, they don't have the long mm-hmm. neck, and their feet just kind of drag behind. It can give a different silhouette than you're used to seeing if you're used to just seeing little birds. And if very I can true. go further, I have seen both of those kind of birds literally. I, I'm not joking. Within the last two weeks. There wow, you go. Uh, they they are incredibly. I mean, you know, I grew up in the in the in the near western southwestern suburbs, and there, my neighbors had a, a koi pond, and the, there was a heron that would show <laughs> up there to to eat the goldfish. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, mm-hmm. for me, it's completely not unusual. But mm-hmm. you know, for someone who grew up with a yard that is the size of a you know an urban apartment, I can see how that's crazy although 63rd and 63rd and pulaski i mean that's far enough away where i feel like that shouldn't be that crazy Hmm. Hmm. hard to say so yeah that is my update on the phantom the phantom (laughs) i'm gonna give you a tutorial on how to do that no one in chicago i shouldn't say no one no one the the idea of da bears is that we say (laughs) our ths like d's but the reality is when we're talking about bears, we don't put in the T, the, 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 or duh beforehand. We just say bears. Okay. So if you're walking down the street, you see someone decked oh. out in bears gear. You just look at them and you go bears and they look <laughs> back at you and they go bears. And that's it. It's real simple. I love it. Bears. <laughs> but, bears. but if you were to speak about bears. Yes. If it's in, in a, a if it's in a normal conversation. So Jake, the problem with Jake's uh, impression of the Chicago and earlier there was that he went a little too uh, northern. Um, you see, it wasn't bad; it was definitely midwestern, but it's a little bit more Minnesota than it was to Illinois. Uh, so you know, the thing is, is that, uh, like I said, the the ths were, are more d. So when you're talking about the the bears uh, in specific, it sounds more like the than the. Because we, we make our THs into a D. So it's like there's a street in Chicago. It's spelled T-H-R-O-O-P. So to a newbie, that's Throop. But to here, it's Troop. Throop. Troop? See, I like the Chicago accent a lot more than the Minnesota accent because the Minnesota accent is just too cutesy. I can't take anyone seriously here. It is really nice, isn't it? It, it is the epitome of Midwest nice. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, dare I tell a story that i dug up online a pure halloween treat i dare you to fine i will there double there there's you guys are probably both familiar at least yeah (laughs) double bears me um familiar with neil gaiman the writer Mm -hmm. i know the name can you refresh me who that is i he's he's a famous literary figure british Uh, okay sandman american gods american gods there you have it got it yeah, I knew the name, but I'm not as learned as you two are. Nonsense. I, perhaps to my uh, shame, have read nothing of his except for this short story that I'm going to read to you both. <laughs> you guys see Coraline? I've seen Coraline. Coraline seen is American based on Guides. a short story of his. Oh, that's or so it's cool. an adaptation of his short story, rather. Oh. It's very good. Yeah. Um, What was the studio that did that again? Leica. Leica, thank you. Ah, uh, yes. Very good. All right. So this is Click Clack the Rattle Bag. Have either of you guys heard this one? No. Mm-mm. It's a nice one. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Do you actually need me to take you up to bed? I asked the boy. 
He thought for a moment, then with intense seriousness, Yes, actually, I think, I think you do. It's because of I've finished my homework, and it's also my bedtime, and I'm a bit scared. Not very scared, just a bit. But it is a very big house, and lots of times the lights won't work, and it's a sort of dark. I reached over and tussled his hair. I can understand that, I said. It is a very big old house. He nodded. We were in the kitchen, where it was light and warm. I put down my magazine on the table. What kind of story would you like me to tell you? Well, he thought, or sorry, well, he said thoughtfully, I don't think it should be too scary, because then when I go to bed, I'll just be thinking about monsters the whole time. But if it isn't just a little bit scary, then I won't be interested at all. And you make up scary stories, don't you? I know she says that's what you do. She exaggerates. I write stories. Nothing that's been published yet, though. And I write lots of different kinds of stories. But you do write scary stories? Yes. The boy looked up at me from the shadows by the door, where he was waiting. Do you know any stories about Click Clack the Rattlebag? I don't think so. Those are the best sorts of stories. Do they tell them at your school? He shrugged. There's this whole Click Clack the Rattlebag universe. You haven't heard of this guy? (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. The CCTRU. He shrugged. Sometimes. What's a Click Clack the Rattlebag story? He was a precocious child and was unimpressed by his sister's boyfriend's ignorance. You could see it on his face. Everybody knows them. I don't, I said, trying not to smile. He looked at me as if he was trying to decide whether or not I was pulling his leg. He said, I think maybe you should take me up to my bedroom, and then you can tell me a story before I go to sleep. But a very not scary story, because I'll be up in my bedroom then. And it's actually a bit dark up there, too. I said, shall I leave a note for your sister, telling her where we are? You can, but you'll hear when they get back. The front door is very slammy. We walked out of the warm and cozy kitchen into the hallway of the big house, where it was chilly and drafty and dark. I flicked the light switch, but nothing happened. The bulb's gone, the boy said. That always happens. Our eyes adjusted to the shadows. The moon was almost full, and blue-white moonlight shone in through the high windows on the staircase, down into the hall. We'll be all right, I said. Yes, the boy said soberly. I am very glad you're here. He seemed less precocious now. His hand found mine, and he held on to my fingers comfortably, trustingly, as if he'd known me all his life. I felt responsible and adult. I did not know if the feeling I had for his sister, who was my girlfriend, was love. Not yet, but I liked that the child treated me as one of the family. I felt like his big brother, and I stood taller. And, if there was something unsettling about the the empty house, I would not have admitted it for words. For worlds? Weird. I would not have admitted it for worlds. Maybe that's a British way of saying for the world. Ah. They, they already got the whole world, so they would say, they, they instead say multiple worlds, I guess. It's very imperialist of them. Yeah. The stairs creaked beneath the threadbare stair carpet. Click clacks, the boy said. Oh, sorry. Click clacks, said the boy. <laughs> Good correction, right? <laughs> yeah, that was very useful. Thank you. <laughs> Are the best monsters ever? Are they from television? I don't think so. I don't think any people know where they come from. Mostly they come from the dark. 
Good place for a monster to come. Naughty. <laughs> yes. We walked along the upper corridor in the shadows, walking from patch of moonlight to patch of moonlight. It really was a big house. I wished I had a flashlight. They come from the dark, said the boy, holding onto my hand. I think probably they're made of dark, and they come in when you don't pay attention. That's when they come in. <laughs> and then they take you back to their... Not nests. What's a word that's like nests, but not... Bachelor house? pad? Bachelor pad. <laughs> Fuck. Palace? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, house? No, it's not a house. Lair? He was silent. Then... I think that's the word. Yes. Lair. He squeezed my hand, and he stopped talking. Right, so they take the people who don't pay attention back to their lair and what do they do to them your monsters do they suck all the blood out of you like vampires he snorted vampires don't suck all the blood out of you they only drink a little bit just to keep them going and you know flying around click clacks are much scarier than vampires i'm not scared of vampires i told him me neither i'm not scared of vampires either do you want to know what click clacks do they drink you, the boy said. Like a Coke? Coke is very bad for you, said the boy. If you put a tooth in Coke in the morning, it will be dissolved into nothing. That's how bad Coke is for you, and why you must always clean your teeth every night. I heard the Coke story as a boy, and had been told, as an adult, that it wasn't true, but was certain that a lie which promoted dental hygiene was a good lie, and I let it pass. Click clacks drink you, said the boy. First they bite you, and then you go all ishy inside. And all your meat and all your brains and everything except your bones and your skin turns into a wet, milkshaky stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the click-clack sucks it out through the holes where your eyes used to be. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> That's disgusting, I told him. Did you make that up? We reached the last flight of stairs, all the way in to the big house. No. I can't believe you kids make up stuff like that. You didn't ask me about the rattle bag he said. Right, what's the rattle bag? Well, he said sagely, soberly, a small voice from the darkness beside me. Once you're just bones and skin, they hang you up on a hook and you rattle in the wind. So what do these click clacks look like? Even as I asked him, I wished I could take the question back and leave it unasked. I thought huge spidery creatures like the one in the shower that morning. I'm afraid of spiders. I was relieved when the boy said, they look like what you aren't expecting, what you aren't paying attention to. We were climbing wooden steps now. I held like on to the railing with my left about hand. A story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Say what? Like a little boy is asking about a scary story. No! Okay. I held on to the railing on my left, held his hand with my right as he walked beside me. It smelled like dust and old wood that high in the house. The boy's tread was certain, though, even though the moonlight was scarce. Do you know what story you're going to tell me to put me to bed? He asked. It doesn't actually have to be scary. Not really. Maybe you could tell me about this evening. Tell me what you did? That won't make much of a story for you. My girlfriend just moved into a new place on the edge of town. She inherited it from an aunt or someone... It's very big and very old. I'm going to spend my first night with her tonight. 
so I've been waiting for an hour or so for her and her housemates to come back with the wine and an Indian takeaway. That's takeout for all of our stupid American (laughs) listeners. (laughs) Just kidding. See, said the boy. Oh, sorry. See, the boy said. (laughs) Just kidding. It was said the boy. (laughs) I just didn't like that take. (laughs) See, the boy's shit. Now I fucked myself up. (laughs) All right. It begins. Harumph. See, said the boy. There was that precocious amusement again. But all kids can be insufferable sometimes when they think they know something you don't. It's probably good for them. You know all that, but you don't think. You just let your brain fill in the gaps. He pushed open the door to the attic room. It was perfectly dark now, but the opening door disturbed the air, and I heard things rattle gently, like dry bones and thin bags in the slight wind. Click, clack, click, clack, like that. I would have pulled away then if I could, but small, firm fingers pulled me forward unrelentingly into the dark. Oh. The end! Pretty creepy. Jesus. Good old gaming. Yeah. He got so, it. So, it was the kid. That's, also, that's a, that's a postscript that Gaiman wrote in here. He says, it was the kid. Deep sigh, was it. it was the kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Halloween. Very fun. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> that's right. Good Halloween responses all. is a thing. <laughs> uh, Jake, do you have a story as well? I don't, but uh, what about you, Notech? You got anything you want to share with us about spooky uh, Chicago stuff or other things you wanted to talk about? First of all, I, uh, you know, after my tutorial on how to do the Chicago I got worse. I, I got worse. That it, no, it has actually much improved. Oh, okay. I actually appreciate Yeah, I actually appreciated that one <laughs> a little bit better. Uh, there's actually an article. I don't know where the hell it is, but the Chicago accent is actually dying, which is actually very sad. Oh, but no. um, I'll start with um, when I mentioned to you guys earlier that uh, one of the most haunted locations in the city of Chicago purported to be the most haunted location in the city of Chicago. Uh, sadly, actually no longer exists. Uh, victim of progress, it is now the. And if your listeners did not know, Ray Kroc, uh, who mm. was the sort of uh, inventor slash stealer of McDonald's, um, was from Illinois, uh, more uh, specifically the uh, Chicagoland area, and he uh, founded what is now the McDonald's Empire. Uh, out of Oakbrook, uh, which is actually the next town over from where I grew up. But oh, the original croc. Yes. Uh, the reason I bring all that up is because currently um, the international headquarters for McDonald's sits on this location. But formerly, this location also was very, very, very famous because it was the home of Harpo Studios. Do either of you know what Harpo Studios was famous for does that have anything to do with the marx brothers it does not i want you to take the name harpo i want you to reverse it and tell me what you get oprah oprah winfrey ladies and gentlemen it is where the oprah winfrey show was filmed uh harpo studios in the uh west loop sure you mean the yef new harpo Did I do that right? Um, <laughs> I don't yes. care. Uh, Harpo Studios, <laughs> uh, the reverse of Oprah. Um, Oprah was actually one of the first sort of um, up-and-coming residents of that neighborhood. So 
Um, that was actually Chicago's original Skid Row. It's now Restaurant Row. I mean, it is it, some of our most famous restaurants are in that area. Uh, and she was kind of the pioneer for that neighborhood. Now, how does this relate to what we're talking about? Um, Harpo Studios before that uh, was a warehouse. I will hmm. speak to exactly what it was in a moment. Wow, these are a lot of moving parts. Yeah, okay. yeah. The, 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 Chicago is the center of the universe, whether you guys know it or not. But um, <laughs> I don't know it, but go on. So in 1915, there was a very famous uh, disaster. It was called the Eastland Disaster. A company hmm. at the time called Western Electric was taking their entire company across Lake Michigan to Michigan City, Indiana for a day-long picnic. And, you know, How'd they of, put the building on a boat? <laughs> uh, pretty much. Exactly right. And, and here's, and I'm glad you said that because here's what happened. They put their entire building, or at least part of their entire building, on a boat called the Eastland. Now, the Eastland mm-hmm. was already notoriously top-heavy, but they cleared out the galley below. And so a boat that should have only held about twelve to 1,500 people now held about 2,500 people. Oh, boy. Now, the That's problem is when you, clear out, when you clear out the galley, you're replacing things like heavy ovens and refrigerator, Steak. whatever the case may be at the time, with human bodies that do not weigh as much. Still edible, though. Correct. And as, as, as you're already top heavy, it's going to upset the balance. So what ended up happening is the boat was docked on the Chicago River. And as it disembarked, everybody moved to the city side, or at least where it was docked side of the oh, boat. No. For, yep, yep, for a picture. And exactly where your mind is taking you, the boat just fine. rolled over. What? Yep, just rolled right over. 844 people were killed in that disaster. That is, to to this day, the largest death toll tragedy in the city of Chicago. Um, That includes the Great Chicago Fire, which burned down about, at the time, about 70% of the city. What a scary way to go. And, And the problem is twofold. A, you don't have the modern uh, equipment to turn a boat back. It, it's kind of what? What was the Italian cruise ship that turned over? Where you thought, how could that many people die? The Poseidon. <laughs> Poseidon. <laughs> Gene Hackman nor uh, uh, Thomas Jane were involved in, in this one. What ends up happening is 844 people lose their lives. Okay, so how does that relate to Harpo Studios? Well, here's where it comes in. What ends up happening is the city's morgues at the time cannot handle 844 bodies at once. This is back in the early 1900s, correct? 1915, correct. This, this was not in okay. March of this year? <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah, it was not in March of this year, although they saw the numbers. <laughs> it was a good phantom voice. 1915, morgues not capable of handling 844 bodies at the same time. So where do you store the bodies? Well, you store them in places like refrigeration warehouses, which is exactly what Harpo Studios was back then. And so they brought a lot of the unidentified bodies over to the West Loop to the warehouse that became Harpo Studios to store for loved ones to come and identify. What ends up happening years, 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 years later is Har- uh, excuse me, Har- uh, Oprah buys the property. She buys the... It was uh, called Harpo at the time, right? Before. It was called Harpo at the time. Yeah, really conveniently for her, just her name <laughs> sounds backwards. Like, sounds really. like QAnon shit or something. I mean, that's, listen, and that is why I believe. I just want to say, I just want to say that. It's why I believe. 
Anyway. You Q-head. <laughs> God, I'm wearing a Q-tip. Q-tip. <laughs> Looking so for those Q-tips. Oh, you beat me to it. Damn it. <laughs> I'm in so much goddamn trouble. Um, Q- Q-tip, one of my favorite rappers of all time. Uh, anyway, all right, all right. We're getting way the fuck off the rails. Is that good? Um, like- Anytime you put dead bodies in a location, whether it be a morgue, a cemetery, wherever, you are going to get the legends of the hauntings. Mm-hmm. Harpo Studios very much falls into that um, place. And everyone who ever worked at Harpo Studios, including a friend of mine, so I do have this on somewhat good authority, uh, who, who I trust, uh, who has no reason to lie to me, who worked for Harpo Studios. She also talked about this. That anyone who ever worked at Harpo Studios had some sort of story about something going bump in the night, whether mm. it be footsteps where they didn't belong, where you heard them and no one was there, or voices where you heard them and no one was there, or you know, lights turning on and off randomly, doors opening and closing, and that includes Oprah Winfrey. Hmm. So the, the story goes that she did not believe any of her staff because, you know, and I'll be honest, I get it. You know, Oprah shows up for the time Oprah needs to be there. She's mm-hmm. not going to be there for the pregame. She's not going to be there for the shutdown. She's going to be there for showtime. Hmm. Um, so she's not there late at night. She's not necessarily there early in the morning. Well, her <laughs> staff finally convinced her that this is a real thing. And we dare you, we dare you to spend the night alone inside of Harpo studio, Mm -hmm. which supposedly she did. And she actually made a a show or at least mentioned it on her show. She spent the night in the studios. She came out the next morning and immediately said, this place is definitely haunted. Whoa. Her specific experiences were, I do not know. She may have mentioned that on her show. (sighs) What I take away from it is that Oprah was such a good interviewer that she could in fact interview the dead ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that is the that is the drop that i'm giving you tonight. That. <laughs> well great before we move on with more of the show i think it's time that we thank some of our supporters on our patreon through a segment that we call pander mm. patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk this of course is where jake and i flip on the ncaa device plug that bad boy into the backs of our skulls mm-hmm. and figure out using the pander function just exactly what cryptid creature or otherwise spooky entity out there in the world our dutiful patrons should look out for yes this, of course they have earned the right to by donating at a level of even just a dollar a month or more we love them and we want to give them something back other than just exactly what we do all the time which is produce the show so So let's turn on the machine let's do it there it is and let's plug these in the back of our heads i think we have an extra extra cord for jonathan i don't know if you want to put it you're welcome to if you want you don't have to we'll slide it in the back of our heads here Uh, there that is wait say that one more say that one more time don't worry about it moment okay (laughs) (laughs) sorry sorry all right, so we're going to focus in on... Here we go. Anna, Anna from Braunschweig, which I learned is the German version of Brunswick. What? Oh, my God. Braunschweig. Uh, Anna, keep an eyeball out of your head to look out for... Baby. Baby <laughs> Secret, Secret of, of the, the Lost, Lost Legend. Legend. <laughs> this, by all accounts, is a movie produced by Disney... <laughs> 
In the film, of course, a paleontologist and her husband discover a mother, father, and baby brontosaurus. Okalia Membe, oh. in other words, in Africa and try to protect them from a group of hunters intent on capturing the dinosaurs. If you hear any plots like this associated with presumably uh, 70s-ish movies. One guesses? From the art. Um... <laughs> Just look out, yeah. Get the, away. The dinosaurs are based on Michele Mbembe and even make reference in the film by telling how a tribe in the Congo once killed one of these brontosauruses, uh, ate it, and then got very sick. Um, so, so you want to watch out for both any reference to this movie outside of this this podcast, uh, watching the movie itself, and eating brontosaurus meat. Yes. Uh, also... Do avoid anything that uh, is described as a cross between Raiders of the Lost Ark and E.T. <laughs> I want to see what this was produced. Uh, 85. 85? <laughs> wow. Unsurprisingly, none of us have ever heard of this. But Anna, but thank you for your support, and thank you for not eating any brontosauruses. We, we love you, and uh, yeah, thanks so much. <laughs> Yeah, and we thank any anyone, as Wyatt said, even at a dollar of support on our Patreon. It helps the show, and you get entered into our algorithm to have your own creature or movie uh, calculated by the machine. Uh, let's unplug, Wyatt. Yeah. There it goes. Um, another person we have, we got uh, digital bonus material. We got stickers that are cool. One perk I have been talking about all month that goes away at the end of Halloween itself is um, you can get, we have annual plans now. It's a new thing Patreon offers. And you can get, you can buy 12 months at once for the cost of only 10 months now through the end of this Halloween. So once it's no longer Halloween anymore, that deal goes away. It'll still be a deal, but it won't be as good a deal. And you should Which- jump on it while you have the chance. If you ask me, is the scariest fright of all. Yes. And, uh, yeah, well now we can get back into some more of the spookstravaganza. Sounds great. Durst, we ask you some Halloween questions. Mm. I'm, I, am, I am excited and ready to answer. Oh, boy. In that case, I know you're drinking old fashions on this what will be Halloween Eve, but... Correct. If we do this, if I get this done right, this episode will come out on October 30th, hopefully. On this Halloween Eve Eve. Yes. What is your favorite Halloween drink? Oh, fuck. Oh, that's a great question. Um, My favorite Halloween drink. Listen, anyone who knows me, I know you guys are a little bit new to the party in terms of the fact that you've only known me for about a year now. I am about the most basic bitch as it <laughs> comes to fall. And if you being are. a basic bitch in... Yeah, if basic being a basic bitch in fall is wrong, I don't want to be right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I will take, I will honest to God take about anything that is pumpkin spice. But here's what I'm gonna tell you: I created, and it, it's just a take on an old fashioned, but it's called the essence of fall. Ooh. Wow! And what it is is it's an old fashioned at its heart, but it is made with pecan bourbon. Oh. And black walnut bitters. Whoa. And in, instead of simple or demerara syrup, it's made with pure Vermont maple sugar. Oh. If you have the ability, which I do, you smoke the glass. And before you smoke the glass, to help the. Doesn't that hurt your lungs? No, nah, relax. <laughs> uh, to help the smoke adhere to the glass, that flavor, you're going to spritz the inside of the rocks glass with some allspice dram. 
Damn. which is going to give you that sort of fall pumpkin sort of thing. Yeah. And then the, then the maple smoke adheres to that. And then you pour this beautiful mix of bourbon, maple and bitters on top of that. And it just tastes like a fucking campfire in fall. And I think that's it. The, my own creation called the essence of fall. Holy damn. Where can people find that? People can find that, uh, with me. If they're going to come to the bar that I work at called Park and Field, I can absolutely, absolutely make them an essence of fall. All right. What's your go-to uh, autumn drink, white, Halloween drink? Um, Blood and guts. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I go for a very, very unsophisticated uh, apple cider, mostly from Demerit Hill Farm, which is where Hot and Overload is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to mention episode this month plug him plug him again jake <laughs> here comes shit um what place where do you get it hill farm in lee new hampshire what else uh, do they do there jake it's i think i'm it's, just asking I like randomly cider because it's um it's largely a macintosh based uh, it's largely because it reminds me of this amazing haunted experience haunted you get to yeah. have there anyway i like apple cider and just um shot of kraken and a big old ice cube and that's my go-to fall oh. drink Ooh, dark and stormy Jake, I'm going to hit you with something you don't even realize. Oh, boy. You are doing essentially what's called a stone fence. Ooh. Okay. And a stone fence is rum or bourbon based with apple cider. It goes all the way back to Revolutionary War times. Hell yeah. Specifically, specifically the story goes to Ethan Allen and his uh, Green Mountain Boys. Furniture. Um, Ethan Allen. Ethan Allen of the Furniture Company. Um, Ethan Allen... Uh, and his Green Mountain Boys were notorious basically for just fighting off anyone who tried to encroach on their Vermont territory. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to fucking kick anyone out that tried to get close to their property. When the Re- Revolutionary War broke out, they figured, fuck it, we'll fight the British instead of our own people. <laughs> and what they would do is get themselves so blitzed on this combination of bourbon, rum, and apple cider which was called a stone fence, by the way, because if you drank enough of it, you just sat there like a stone fence. (laughs) Um, They would get so blitzed that they would then take on these crazy raids and the taking of Fort Ticonderoga by Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys was because they did their raid at about 2, 3 o'clock in the morning (laughs) after just getting completely knocked out on stone fences. And the British actually referred in stories later as these drunken, wild, crazy Americans who could not be stopped. So (laughs) you, in fact, despite the fact that you're kind of taking the piss out of it, are drinking a very classic American drink, my friend. Fuck yeah. All right. I'm going to stand by it forever now. That's amazing. There you go. As you should. My next major question. John, John, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Oh, dude. It, it's not fucking close. Uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. I mean, nice. by fucking far, put that Classic. shit in the freezer. You know, I mean, get get as many as you can while you're out. Then go home, put that shit in the freezer. As many as you can. You know, hold people at ransom for that shit. <laughs> I mean, it's not close. That's it. Nice. Excellent choice. Oh, such a good. Yeah, I went through a bunch of different phases through my childhood. Different candy bars I was very into. Into adulthood, it's just Reese's peanut butter cups, Kit Kats. I'm good on those two. They're great. The more time passes, so you're the more you expanded your horizons to Reese's cups. I'm actually coming around on on Kit Kats. I didn't used to like them, but they're fucking great. Mm-hmm. Someone finally broke you off a piece of that. 
Oh, really quickly, I, I want to say for the record that uh, last time I was on the show, um, I thought I had sworn a little bit too much in listening to the podcast after you guys posted it, where I think Wyatt said, language, please. And he was making a joke, and I didn't realize that, and I felt horrible. And then I talked to him later, he was like, oh, no, we were kidding. So now I'm going to fucking swear as fucking much as I fucking want. That's the spirit. That's what we're going for. I will for. say yet again, language, please. <laughs> Wyatt, uh, once you finish chewing, would you like to tell us another scary story? Yes, that was so scary. <laughs> Going to read the story now. <laughs> Which is a story, of course, from... Jake, can you even guess? I'm going to guess reddit.com. It's not Reddit. C- oh. Incorrect. It's much more on brand for me. Oh, Sasquatch Encounters? Close enough, Big Bigfoot encounters, encounters. Oh, but it has to do with skinwalkers, oh. so I figured you would get a tiny Ooh. bit of blood rushing into your penis on this one. Yeah, I know Jake loves that shit. When I was a teen, oh, Oklahoma, McIntosh County, 1915. Whoa. Now that's weird. Ooh. 1915, ah. the same year as Oprah as uh, haunted would her see studio, Oprah right? Winfrey push a yeah. huge boat over well, and kill 800 people. We've established that in 1915, Oprah killed a ton of people <laughs> by pushing a boat over out of its side when i was a teenager in the late 1970s what the fuck Wait. hey you know what i haven't read this story yet <laughs> we're all gonna jump okay. in together when i was a teenager in the late 1970s we lived year-round in a remote area next to a large lake that was rapidly developing as a weekend get, uh, getaway for urbanites at the time the countryside was hilly and heavily wooded with streams and ravines The hills have rock outcroppings and caves. I can recall only one incident that quote-unquote spooked me personally. It would have been 1977. I was 15 years old and at least three miles from home, out hiking, and was working my way down a fairly steep decline, probably 50 degrees or more, on a day in late fall. This area had several large outcroppings and caves, and there were a few massive trees growing on the slope, and many smaller ones. What happened was, all of a sudden, I got that proverbial tingling feeling at the back of my neck that I was being watched. Not only watched, but glared at. By that time in my life, I had already spent many days and nights out camping in the woods, and, as I said, hiking, hunting, and fishing. Didn't say those two. I had never had a sensation like this before. I glanced around a little, but I did not look up. (laughs) I can't believe that's the first one to happen this entire episode. I am am so excited that I got a fucking Wyatt burp in this episode. I I burped a few other times. It was too Uh, quiet. I'm sure I'll hear it in post. Whatever or whoever it was, I did not want them to realize that I knew they were there. I felt like that might provoke an attack or something, as odd as that may sound. Very odd. I had a hunting knife with me and put my hand on the hilt. I also found a sturdy stick to use as a club if need be. I quickly made my way down the rest of that slope. I knew that there was a forest trail at the bottom of it and that the trail intersected a road a half mile away or so. When I reached that trail, something let out a reverberating yet somewhat high-pitched scream back up the hill within 100 yards or so from where i was at i didn't turn back to look i just took off running it let out another scream a few seconds later but my impression was that it had not moved 
As I said, the scream was fairly high-pitched, but it had tremendous volume to it. It just seemed to reverberate all down the hillside. It was lower-pitched and too throaty to be a bobcat, which I had heard uh, many times in the past. We weren't supposed to have mountain lions anywhere near our area, and again, the sound seemed lower-pitched than, uh, than the screams I had heard uh, them make on nature shows. But at the time, that is what I chalked it up as being most likely. I told my family and several of my friends about it. Anyhow, I never went back to that part of the woods without having a loaded firearm with me. A few years later, 1984, I related this story to an elderly 80-year-old lady who lived in this area her entire life. She had literally been born within a few miles of where this is located. This is where 1915 comes in? Maybe, actually. She was from a large Native American family. She got an odd look on her face and a very serious tone in her voice and told me I had encountered a skinwalker. Mm -hmm. She said that when she was a young girl, probably prior to 1920, she had a brother a few years older than her that came in to their cabin one day, very excited about having seen an animal he had never seen before. He had been out in the woods hunting squirrels. The best way to hunt squirrels is to stealthily make your way to an area with lots of large hickory trees, then stay very quiet, watching and listening for their movements. He said that was what he was doing when he caught a glimpse of something dark in one of the trees. He said at first he thought it was just a, th a trick of light because it seemed to be a shadow that had moved on its own. He stayed quiet and hidden and watched and listened. The shadow began moving some more and made its way down a tree trunk fairly quickly. <laughs> he described it as being about four feet tall, built like a human but somewhat hunched over, covered in long, black, uh, long dark black-brown hair. When the thing reached the ground, the young man made some sound, perhaps a gasp or sigh. <laughs> <gasps> and suddenly it stood completely upright, moving its head slightly, to, uh, slightly side to side, looking over his way. He described the face as being somewhat human-like, but covered with dark hair and, and with something of a protruding snout, and the eyes as being very large and light-colored. It had an extremely angry look, even menacing. Mm -hmm. The thing bolted behind the tree and was gone. A minute or so later, the young man heard a high-pitched scream coming from high up in the trees, which was answered by another scream that came from elsewhere. That was what spooked him and caused him to rapidly leave. As an adult, I have heard and now researched a little about skinwalkers and realize that the term is generally used to describe myths of shapeshifters among the Native Americans of the Southwest, like Navajos and Hopi. But I am just telling you the story exactly as it was told to me. Again, this was in eastern Oklahoma back in about 1984 and describing an incident that would have occurred in the area around 1915 to 1920. There's 1915. <laughs> yeah. When I was a young child... I told you it all it eventually comes back to Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My parents, great uh, grandparents and great grandparents warned me and other kids in our family to never stray into the woods by ourselves. And especially not if we heard what we thought was a kitten or puppy. My family called it the booger man or <laughs> child catcher. And mm. basically said that there was something out there that would kill young children if it could catch them alone, but never gave any more description than that. Uh, than, than that it was big and dark. I realize that folks tell their children such things to scare the kids to keep them from wandering off and getting lost or hurt, but still, it makes you wonder 
there may not be a kernel of truth behind the stories. Mm-hmm. Creepy wood stuff. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> a tedious Sasquatch tale to end <laughs> my contributions. <laughs> and we wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I got to be honest. I mean, in listening to the podcast that you guys have put out, my favorite... <laughs> Uh, why my favorite stories from you are the 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 Sasquatch the uh, Yeti stories, which by the way, spooky, don't right? encourage him. Don't encourage Go him. On. I'm gonna encourage the shit out of him, which is why Ooh. my favorite my favorite sticker of the Super Superstitious podcast uh, is the Yeti, uh, the original, which I think somewhere is in my fucking neighborhood. Is it not, Mister uh, Fucking Withy? On it's under some underpass. I don't remember where it was specifically. It's near that diner that Obama liked to go to. Valois. Yeah, I know exactly. Okay. Uh, see, I didn't know where it was. Now I know where to find it. Yep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you that picture nice. tomorrow. Noise. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that is why that uh, specific uh, Yeti uh, sticker, which I think of the many you gave me, <laughs> is the one that it's just one that I have that is waiting its place. And I don't know where it's going to go yet. I was going to put it on my Yeti, but my Yeti is uh, <clears throat> uh, actually light blue in color. Oh, so the teal won't go well. Yeah, that sticker. Exactly. That sticker doesn't I work. I was struggling to recall. So, I'm going to have to buy a Yeti just for that <laughs> sticker to go on, which I 100% am going to. Um, but yeah, these are my favorite fucking Wyatt Shell stories, the Yeti stories. They're amazing. <laughs> I love them. I've been really trying to filter them out because I feel like it's so tired. <laughs> False. Well, get ready for one every single episode. <laughs> It's going to be all Sasquatch ghoul all the time. Yeah. I love it. Fantastic. We'll call it Sasquatch ghoulistitious. <laughs> Works perfectly. Beautiful. Rolls right out the tongue. Great, great one. <laughs> uh, Jonathan, did you say you had another story you want to tell us? I think this one is going to... I think this one's going to be one that you guys really enjoy. I mean, this is going to be your typical kind of spooky, Halloween-ish, um, very creepy story. Um, and it starts with a woman by the name of Jane Adams. Um, now Jane Adams in and of herself is not particularly spooky in the fact that she was in fact a pioneer in social justice and women's rights and all kinds of things of, of the, of, of the social justice. Sort of cool. And in fact, was the first American woman to win the Nobel peace prize in 1931 for her work. She opened up in Chicago, the Jane Adams Hull house. Uh, and the Hull House was devoted to a bunch of different things, uh, specifically to um, social justice and being there for uh, particularly women who were disenfranchised or did not have places to go, particularly women who perhaps got pregnant for one reason or another um, outside of marriage. She developed the Jane Adams Hull House on the south side of Chicago to help with many different things, this being one of them. You know, I mean, uh, let's be honest. We're, we're <laughs> We're still struggling with rights as far as women and, and minorities and people of color go. Uh, you're talking about the turn of the 19th century into the 20th century. You're definitely struggling with it mm-hmm. back then. And, and women. Who, and I mean, hey, hopefully with Amy Coney Barrett now as a Supreme Court justice, we'll be back there soon <laughs> enough, too. So carry on. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going right back in that direction, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Finally overdue yeah this is from a practicing catholic ladies and gentlemen i actually still kind of go to church and pray the rosary and all those things and i'm kind of horrified by the way things are going but uh correct yeah that's the direction we're headed 
but especially back then in the in the turn of the century views of particularly women that got pregnant before marriage or outside of marriage or whatever the case may be were really really looked down upon and and you get a lot of stories that come out of that for example i don't know maybe a teenager gets pregnant and then an angel comes down and talks to her and then that unborn child is going to become the son of man mm-hmm. and then that becomes the whole basis for religion. <laughs> I don't know, something along those lines. You guys know what I'm saying? I can't imagine something like that getting popular. No, Not nothing like that would happen in today's world. <laughs> but anyway, so back at the turn of the century, if you were pregnant, got pregnant outside of marriage, whatever the case may be, maybe you went to the Hull House and maybe you had your kid there inauspiciously. So at the Hull House became the legend of the devil of mm. Hull House. And I'm going to read to you uh, from this article. I'll read a couple of, it's actually a lengthy article, but I'm going to read just a couple of paragraphs as far as to what the actual legend was. Mm. Uh, it's called the devil baby at Hull House. This is actually a fairly well-known, I mean, despite the fact that it's in oh, the Oh, DB at Double H. I remember this one. <laughs> there you go. It is a factually, actually well-known uh, legend Uh, inside of Chicago. The knowledge of the existence of the devil baby burst upon the residents of Hull House one day when three Italian women with an excited rush through the door demanded that they be shown to them. This is the baby they're talking about. No amount of denial convinced them that he was not there for they knew exactly what he was like with his cloven hooves, his pointed ears, and diminutive tail. Moreover, the devil baby had been able to speak as soon as he was born and was most shockingly profane. The three women were but the forerunners of a veritable multitude. For six weeks, the streams of visitors from every part of the city and suburbs to this mythical baby poured in all day long. (laughs) I mean, yikes. Uh, and so far as to the night that the regular activities of the settlement were almost swamped. Mm. The Italian version, with a hundred variations, and I believe that's true. I don't know if either of you have Italian relatives. I do have Italian relatives, and my God, do they enjoy their superstition. <laughs> um, with a hundred variations. Dealt with a pious Italian girl. So this is the, the story. Um, that this, this poor unfortunate was a pious Italian girl married to an atheist. Uh-oh. Her husband vehemently Whoa. tore a whole picture from the bedroom wall saying that he would quite as soon have a devil in the house as that whereupon the devil incarnated himself in her upcoming child. That's what Whoa. you get. It happens every time. As soon as you say something like that, you get a friggin' every time. <laughs> There it is. Go on. As soon as the devil devil baby was born, he ran about the stable, shaking his finger in deep reproach of his father. Because, you know, I don't know if you guys are aware, but the devil, uh, particularly when the father is involved, uh, his big thing is just shaking a finger (laughs) at the father. Like, you shouldn't have have done that. Anyway. So he shakes his finger at the father, who finally caught him, and in fear and trembling brought him to Hull House. When the residents there, in spite of the baby's shocking appearance, wishing to save his soul, took him to church for baptism. They found that the shawl was empty, and the devil baby, felling from the holy water, ran lightly over the backs 
of the pews. Whoa. So he, yes. So this child, this infant dropped from his swaddling and then just started to dash from top to top over the pews, which in truth is actually kind of horrifying. <laughs> is this in uh, New Jersey? It is not New Jersey. This is pure Chicago. And in fact, we are switching now from Catholic to Jewish because there is a Jewish legend as far as this goes hmm. as well. Whoa. And the Jewish version, again, with variations, was to the effect that the father of six daughters had said before the birth of the seventh child that he would rather have a devil in the house than another girl, which is, we're kind of speaking to the patriarchy and misogyny here. But anyway, mm. whereupon the devil baby was promptly appeared because, you know, mm -hmm. if you much like uh, communist China, if you have too many girls, they get rid of the girl in America. If you have too many girls, they just consider that an abomination and pride of the devil. No other way to do it. No, that's how you do it. Save for a red automobile, which occasionally figured in the story, and there is no mention as to how this red automobile factors into the story, other than it's red and automobile and probably some specter thing that people claim to show up. And a stray cigar, which in some versions, the newborn child snatched from his father's lips, the tale might have been fashioned a thousand years ago. And then the article goes on and on and goes on for quite some time. But basically the idea here is that this became such a thing that now, you know, people will call and be like, we're looking, you know, call the Hull House, which is devoted to Jane Addams and her social justice work. Uh, and, and their most fervent calls are people calling to be like, tell me about the devil baby. Now, here's what's awesome about that is they will say there's no such thing here. That's never happened. But when people press them, they don't really go further, almost as if they get that, like, this is why we're getting the attention and money that we're getting. So we're going to keep mm -hmm. going with this. Mm -hmm. um, but um, still exists. It's right on the, I mean, the original uh, late 19th, early uh, 20th century house still exists on the campus of uh, UIC University, still there. It is, I mean, if you know the story and you know what you're passing at the time, particularly at night, it can be creepy if you believe in that kind of thing. But what makes it even cooler is that this was the sort of inspiration or part of the inspiration for a man named Ira Levin. Mm -hmm. If you don't know who Ira Levin is, excuse me, he wrote the book, which later became the film Rosemary's Baby. Mm -hmm. So I've said earlier in the podcast that Chicago is the epicenter of the entire universe. I stick by that. And you have proved it once again. Well, before we wrap up, we do need to thank our one and only sponsor, Four Phantoms Brewery. The spookiest and coolest brewery in Western Massachusetts. That's right. Four Phantoms combines that and also uh, D&D <laughs> Excuse me. and heavy metal and more of that. To make some good-ass beer. Their beer is great. They currently have two flagships on tap. That, of course, is the Witch Cult IPA and the Worship Doom Imperial mm -hmm. Stout. If you are anywhere near Western Mass or really anywhere in Massachusetts or Rhode Island... You can get this beer. You can also... You can get this beer in yeah, person. You can get in touch with Four Phantoms. We have the contact info in our episode notes to do some curbside pickup if you like. And uh, you should just do it. Friggin' it's good. And you should support them. They support us. It's a great system. Makes the world go around. 
we love their beer. We love their support. Thank you for Phantoms. And now, speaking of drinking fine refreshments. Drinks are a big part of at least one of the businesses you are a, a big uh, part of there. So, let me try it again. Drinks are a big part of at least one of the businesses you co-own, Jonathan. Prohibition Tours in Chicago. Uh, you got Chicago Prohibition Tours. You got Chicago Pizza Tours. You're a, a bartender. What kind of stuff you got going on, and how can people support you? Well, you know, unfortunately, right now, uh, because of the trying times, the difficult. How, how does every uh, every major company put this? The difficult times we're going through. These, uh, unprecedented um, times. Because of these unprecedented times, um, we do actually, as far as the the pizza tour goes, um, we're able to offer uh, these private limo tours, oh. um, which this this limo company uh, that we work with. Uh, comes to your door, picks you and your friends and family up, uh, people that hopefully have quarantined together enough. And then it's, it's curbside service where the the pizza gets brought out to your, uh, to your limo. So it's just, what? God damn. Yeah. We've actually been able to figure that one out pretty well. You get the information via videos that we've already set up uh, in terms of what the history of the place is. And then, you know, you can, you know, the good thing about Chicago is that we've had the ordinances passed where we can have to go cocktails so they can give you drinks if you want to take them on the way. Obviously, you're in your own private limo, so it's no big deal. The Prohibition Tour has been a little bit tougher. Mm. Whereas the highlights of the Prohibition Tour, Jake, you've taken the tour, mm-hmm. is that you get to go in these places and check them out and see what they were and see how they would have worked. So that's been a little bit more difficult. What I can tell you is that we do give gift certificates. And if you want to buy gift certificates, either for the Prohibition Tour or the Pizza Tour, you can go and you can buy them. And they are good in perpetuity. For as long as we still have our business, we will honor your gift certificate. Where can people go to buy those gift certificates? That is an excellent question. They can go to chicagopeatstours.com or prohibitiontours.com and they can buy those and you know they can buy them for whenever. As someone who's been on both of those tours, I can say safely that you want to take this tour, get a damn gift certificate, it's worth it. And as someone who has never been on them, I have no opinion. <laughs> And one last note before we go, if I do everything I'm supposed to and get this episode edited on time, this will come out on October 30th, and you can catch us at 7, 7.30, 7 o'clock. What time are we doing quarantine cocktails? Um, 7.30 is when we are going to go live. That is 7.30 Central Time. That would be 8.30 Eastern Time, and then that would be fucking 10. Who cares? No, <laughs> Something no. else. Some other They'll time. figure it out at home. 5.30. 5.30 uh, Pacific Time. Uh, we're going to do quarantine cocktails uh, again. Uh, if you guys love this podcast, you guys are going to fucking love. This is recorded. All right. These guys are editing this shit. Okay. We're going to do live, <laughs> which means whatever the fuck happens is whatever the fuck happens. I might fuck up the cocktails. They might fuck up the story. I don't know. It's going to be fucking a thing. And you can catch us fucking that thing. Yes, you can. Please do enough. Instagram Live is where that is. Check us out there. Prohibition Tours is the Instagram channel. We'll have it linked in the description of this episode. You can find that probably us there. Said, that probably should have said that shit. Uh, <laughs> Instagram Live, that's the only place we're doing that. Follow um, us on Prohibition Tours. Instagram Prohibition Tours. You'll find us. Uh, just just do the thing. Just, just do, the, do thing. the thing. Perhaps the motto of the year. Um, Happy Halloween. Thank you, John, Thank so, you so much. Thank you so much for joining us. 
of all my things that have happened during quarantine, this is easily at the top. I've enjoyed every minute of this. I love you guys. We look forward to getting that in writing, and we look forward to the same commitment from all of our listeners. And we look forward to everybody finally just goddamn buying some of this limited edition merch. So we had that choosy moms choose Jeff peanut butter slash mongoose inspired design for t-shirts <laughs> and uh, hoodies they all taste month the long. Same. That deal ends with Halloween. You will not be able to buy this anymore. Why would you like to guess how many of these we've sold in the month of October? I'm going to guess you have sold five of them. Three. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> Everyone out there should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. Ashamed of us. Truly shocking. Uh-huh. Ashamed of us. <laughs> but more so ashamed of you. Yeah, please do check it out if you want to get It's a cool, fun design. Uh, Lauren worked hard on it. It's neat. Um, again, we sell these basically at cost. It's just a thing that we think is fun for you to have and wear. So check it out. Uh, if you don't want to spend money on us, you can spend money on a good cause. Our cause of the week is um, if you've been watching the news at all you may have seen that in australia the jaburung have had their shit fucked by development jaburung are a group of people who live in what is now called victoria um it's unceded mm. land that is just being used by colonizers and they have cut down a bunch of sacred trees that were hundreds of years old to make room for a highway that is meant to shave off i think at most two minutes from people's commute super cool well, i mean so, yeah, we will have a link to the Jaburung Embassy website, which is a resource to help them out, uh, ways you can donate, ways you can raise awareness. Very worthwhile to do. It was hard to choose a cause this week because a lot of shit is going down, but that's one I think is really important. So, yes, please indeed. check that out. Thank you, Jake. Other than that, yeah, please have a safe Halloween. We will be back, but uh, we're going to be back in a reduced capacity for the rest of this calendar year. Sound like the Phantom of the Chicago in here. <laughs> we will be at a reduced capacity. Uh, I'm pretty much in the crunchiest crunch time of my crunchtastic life, <laughs> which I'm about to call a crunch from now on. <laughs> and I will soon be a medical doctor. <laughs> That's right. If you study bees long enough, they do let you perform surgery on humans. <laughs> specifically the brain part (laughs) and i'm starting a new job on monday and that's also going to be a whole thing Uh, i will be a medical doctor as well (laughs) we're both going to be doing a lot of uh stuff in hospitals with brains (laughs) but no we're going to be so (laughs) as hilarious as this sounds we will be truly and fully and horrifyingly busy <laughs> pretty much until the end of the year. So we're about to try to go bi-weekly. And uh, if bi-weekly doesn't work, we're just going to go bye-bye for a little while. But yeah. then we'll be back. Yeah, so we'll we'll keep you updated. We'll probably, you'll, you'll hear from us in probably two weeks. And uh, we'll take it from there. There you go. Until then, we love you. Happy Halloween. Goodbye. Goodbye.